Welcome to Stupidity, home of the greatest media mind ever to walk the planet. Okay, so here's the deal. He's a true icon in every sense of the word. He's loved and feared more than any being to grace this planet. There's two guys. Is a man with a voice that sounds like Barry White and Beyonce had a Jewish baby. God himself would pay $39.99 for a cameo. Fact of the matter is, you are about to embark on a transcendent experience that can only be described as psychological nudity. This is Stu Gatz, and this is Stu Potty. Here we go, Jim. Billy, big month coming up. You know what's coming up here uh, in April, Bill? What's that? The NFL draft. A little thing I like to call the NFL draft. Ah, yeah. are you excited? I am excited. Uh, Mikey A has a very special relationship with Mel Kuyper Jr. Um, <laughs> Mel Kuyper Jr. is a very special man. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but Billy, how do you feel about us going up to Kansas City for the draft? What do you think? Uh, I don't know. This has been yeah. floated about. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it yet. Good okay. barbecue. Good bar. What if I threw this into the mix? Mikey is right. Great barbecue. Uh, first round. We just come for the first round Thursday night. Mm-hmm. But then Friday night, Kelsey is having a concert. Okay. That's and I have four unlimited passes for yeah. for me, you, and two guests to the Kelsey concert Friday night. Yeah, that's what you keep kind of floating out there is this big Travis Kelsey concert, and it's Friday night in Kansas City, and I. I don't really know what you and I are going to be doing at a Machine Gun Kelly concert. You know what I mean? Like, what do I need unlimited access at that event for? What am I, I well, because we really what I want to do is just get Kelsey on the show, get Jason on the show. Mahomes will be there. Like, that's really all I'm trying to do. That's well, it. I mean, we don't know that. And you, I also don't think that necessarily they're going to want to talk to us at a concert and, and or that we'll be able to even hear what they say. Fair. Maybe that's what we do. We take a microphone and we just interview them with the loudest music possible. I actually had this idea, Stu Gatz, and I didn't I didn't do it. But I had this idea during the World Baseball Classic to go to the loudest game that I could go to. And I was also in a section that had a band and just do a recorded podcast throughout the whole thing because you couldn't hear anything. So it would be a podcast that all you would hear was crowd noise and instruments and not hear a word of what the people were saying. But I didn't do it. <laughs> Okay. Maybe we do that at the concert. Fine. Okay. So, so again, but you're not answering my question. What do you what think? Was the question? Do, you wanna, do you want to go? I mean, I mean, it's a couple of weeks away. I don't know that we're going to be able to turn this around as quickly as you think. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're probably. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Mikey, you want to come with us? I'm not getting my hopes up with this. I've okay. said yes to too many things to be left here in Connecticut. Safe. That's fair. That's right. safe. No one get yes. their hopes up. We'll figure it out. I don't know if we're going to go now. I mean, Billy made some good points. <laughs> he really did. We'll see what happens. I mean, maybe, but. Right. Uh, I know. We'll uh, Mikey, yeah, you're nervous about the draft? Why are you nervous? What, like, What's going on with you? Uh, no, I'm not too nervous about the draft. I, I, think, I think we'll be uh, down a second round pick by then. Hmm. Oh, we're not giving up the first, huh? You you, you agree no. with uh with Greeny earlier this week where we're not giving up the first round pick, huh? Don't think it's gonna happen. Okay. I think it's gonna be a second. I think it's the pick that they traded Elijah Moore for. 
But if they have to give up the first round pick, they have to give up the first round pick. I mean, at this point, you can't not do it if you have to do it. Right. I, I, I Listen, if you have to do it, you have to do it. But at the same time, I think you don't have to do it. And if you do it, it's because you panicked because you blinked. Okay. Yes. <laughs> We're notorious for blinking. It's all, it's all our organization. Yeah, Joe, does. Does. Joe Douglas doesn't blink. All right. Um, Billy, you are not like you were not present when we recorded with Mel Kuyper Jr. I wish you were. Mel Kuyper Jr., you and him are kindred spirits. Am I right, Mikey? A? Why he's cool? Uh, <laughs> Mel is an individual unlike any other. Yes. Billy, he doesn't own a cell phone. I've heard that, which, by the way, I am pretty jealous of. Like, that sounds pretty Same. cool to me. Yes. Do you have any idea how awkward it is to call his home phone and his wife answers? And I'm like, hi, may I please speak to Mel? You know, like, it's it's like, it's like middle, middle school. school. All over yeah, again. exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I have to put on my polite voice. It's really weird. Uh, but he's got this photographic memory, Mikey A tells me. And I know, and I've spoken to Mel before, where if you just ask him, like, hey, what was your evaluation of Mike Golick Sr., let's say, who's going to join us for this interview? Uh, he'll be able to tell you exactly what he wrote up for Mike Golick Sr. No computer, no cell phone, no electronics. He just knows what he wrote about Golick coming out of Notre Dame headed into the draft. Weird, Bill. Weird. Like, why doesn't he have a cell phone? Does his wife have a cell phone? Does she not have a cell phone? He just people doesn't would call it. His wife just, has one. Does he? He just doesn't want one. What if he just secretly does have one that only his family knows about? That's he it. says he has one, but it's in a drawer somewhere. He doesn't even know where it is. And well, I'm that's, pretty sure it's like a Nokia flip phone. That's pointless. <laughs> Dari of a cell phone isn't to put. Wow. <laughs> Dari <and> Mel. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's get to uh, the best of the business to get us ready for the draft that we're now not going to attend. It is Mel Kuyper Jr. Stugatz here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So, what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. I have been enjoying ice-cold Miller Lights for as long as I can remember. In fact, I enjoyed some over the weekend. As the Knicks beat the Sixers in advance of the second round, me and my friends, we sat around, we celebrated. With ice-cold Miller Lights, what did we do? We made fun of Joel Embiid. Oh, I love it. The Knicks. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com stew. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Oh my gosh. Folks, gather around. Everyone gather around. Listen to these words. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers, listen to me. You bet just five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code DAN. That's code DAN for new customers. And you get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. That's insane. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours.
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Mel. Hello, Stuart Gotts. How you doing, pal? I am doing great. How are you? I am good. Great to be with you, man. It's great to be with you. Thank you for doing this. I know how busy you are. No problem at all. No problem at all. Uh, Mel, do you have a cell phone? Uh, I Tim so. I don't have a cell myself, now. Wait, you said... Mel, it's 2023. Are you telling me you do not have a cell phone? You do not... Mel Kuyper I, Jr. does not own a cell phone. I do, but I never. I have one that I used to use when I was traveling. I don't travel much anymore, Stu Gatz. I don't. I don't. I don't have a cell phone. That cell phone is tucked away. I couldn't even find it for you right now. Uh, listen, I'm not mocking you. I think you're living life better than the rest of us. To be quite honest with you, man. I know. I know I, exactly. I wish everybody was away from their cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Life would be a better place. Yeah, it would be a better world if we had no cell phones. And, yeah. and now they, I they, say they, this they, as I watch. I say that to you as I watch Mike Golick Jr. try to figure out for the one millionth time how to connect with us via Zoom. It's not my. I'm actually Mike Golick Senior. <laughs> I mean, oh, that call of Gojo. I'm sorry, yeah. I had Gojo on my mind because I was wondering if Mel ever did a write-up for Gojo headed into the draft. That's what I was thinking. To be I, I, I did. I did, actually. Yeah, oh. I, had, I had one for a senior and junior, actually. That's how old I am. Oh, my yeah. God. Wow. Okay, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Stop the presses. Let's, let's keep those buried, shall we? Let's keep those buried. Yeah. No, but no, we're not going to keep them buried. We're going to find out right now <laughs> what his analysis of both you and your son were coming out of college. But, Mike, are you aware that Mel does not have a cell phone? Did you know that? Oh, yeah. No, I know. Oh, God. Listen, the amount of times I have talked to Mel and know what I know about Mel from his pumpkin pie to no cell phone. Yeah. Oh, believe me, I knew that. Yes. Okay. Live a very simple life, guys. Very simple life. No, but I was Mike. telling him, Mike, I think he's living life better than the rest of us. Oh, like- my God. Are you kidding me? I mean, how many times? And, and I'm the least of my family to use a cell phone. I'm kind of happy when I misplace it and don't know where it is because I don't have to deal with it. So you are living the right life, Mel. There is no, no <laughs> doubt you. about it. Yeah. <laughs> Stu called me. And he's like, what else can we talk to Mel about? You know, what else do we have that's that's interesting? And I was like, you obviously don't know Mel Kuyper. He's the most interesting man. Yeah. He's a he's a mystery wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in ra- craziness. I love Mel. I love his little thing, his little quirks. <laughs> that last word, craziness, is <laughs> the one we always have to factor in here. That well, craziness never ends. Like, I mean, we, we so. could just say, Mel, look to your right, and there's a wall. Break it down. I mean, and, and it would be fine. So, yeah, there's... <laughs> You never, you know, you try and have questions before you have a guest. Mel isn't one of those. Mel, we can can go anywhere. Go anywhere you want. Wait, Mel, where are you right now currently? I am sitting at my desk in uh, in Ken Island, on Ken Island in Maryland and on Eastern Shore. And I just finished doing a uh, Todd McShay mock draft show. And I have a radio coming up at uh, at 3.30. So just in between stuff, just sitting at my desk. Okay, can you look to the wall to your right and break it down? <laughs> yes, I can. There's a picture of like Utah, the nice snow in Utah, and a lot of bookshelves with uh, all my memorabilia from when Chris Berman said Lauren was a true number one pick a month after she was born to the helmet phone that I have from the Bill Tobin draft back in 1994 when he said, who the hell is Mel Kiper anyway?
Oh my God. Oh, right. the Bill oh Tobin God. draft. I mean, you know, I, I know that one sticks out to you, Mel, and you've done so many drafts. Are there, I won't ask for one. Are, are there, are there any others where you just think of a certain draft you did and like, bam, there, there's some incredible moment that came from it that you remember? Yeah, I think the first one in 84 when Boomer Esiason waited until the second round to be drafted, and they had three picks in the first round the Bengals did, and he waited and waited. We had him on a little, like a little speaker phone. I was like a speaker. It was like a monitor in the middle of the table. Chris Berman and I were talking to Boomer. Uh, after In the second round, I remember we went off the draft that year to go, I think, to a tractor pull or a boat race like ah. before the second round was even over. <laughs> so we left the second round of the NFL draft. I think it was Tim Meamber went, um, Carl Xander, a linebacker, went, and, and all of a sudden we we're going to sign off. It was until in the second round of the draft that we had, like I said, we had done a live talk with Boomer, who was a little disappointed he was a second rounder, but he went to the Bengals and turned out to be a great career for him and played the Super Bowl against Joe Montana, which he almost won. So, But that first 84 draft, that was the first time I'd ever been to Bristol, guys. I walked up there, uh, he flew up to, to, to Bradley, walked up to that one little building in Bristol was greeted at the door by Bob Lee and Chris Berman and took me to do the draft. And that was 19, that was the, what, April of 1984. Oh wow. my God. This wow. Is amazing. Oh it's my really, gosh. I've never been more attracted to Mel Kuyper than I am right now for some reason. It's <laughs> uh, Mel, do you, Mel, do you have, like, if I ask you your top five interests, other than the draft, other than the family, okay, top five interests for Mel Kuyper would be what? I'd say the obviously sports Ravens Orioles obviously grew up a big Orioles fan here with the 420 game winners Palmer Palmer McNally Quayar and Dobson and all that and I grew up a Baltimore Colts fan and an LA Rams fan because I love the LA Rams helmet back when it was Roman Gabriel and the the fearsome foursome and and the, the great players there that the, the the Rams had but then certainly the Orioles Ravens now the Ravens obviously that Baltimore is all about them and certainly moving forward we'll see what happens here but i think when you look at it after that it's just basically you know and then of course can't do anything without darian noko we do the darian mel show on saturday morning so as you were with mike greenberg and mike uh, you know in the todd 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 mcshay i think i'm tied to todd 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 and darian the rest of my life for what we do there so i'm doing that stuff every week and then you know, boating, kayaking, doing anything on the water uh, that you can do to just get away and clear your mind and then obviously watching football which is what i do to you know, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, it seems like. So those I, are some of the instant when I'm on my balcony just relaxing, looking at the water and watching the boats and watching the eagles fly by. Wait, Mike, hold on a second. because So so, so what we're getting at here is your interests are, are, well, obviously the draft and the family, but besides that, it's the Orioles. I just want to make sure I have this correct. The Orioles, the Orioles, the Ravens, and Dory. That's it? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> and, and, and don't forget Todd, Todd, Todd. That's to be part of that equation as well. And Wait. obviously the family being number one, but certainly, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and then the football and what we do. Like I said, and what I do is... is right. Yeah, exactly. That's the, but basically watching football, which is what we, we are doing. That's the gist of it. And that's what I try to do pretty much even during the off season, guys. I'm, I'm trying to, I spend four to five, four to five hours a day during the summer, just looking at football players. So now, that's been the way it's been since I was uh, 18 years of age, guys. Oh my so God. I, I, if memory serves now, I know you and Dari are, are once a week, but I think you guys have overtaken green and I had the longest run in almost 18 years. You and Dari have surpassed that. Now, how many years are you guys on now? 
No, no, no. We're in year 13, I believe. Mike. Oh, okay. I've been, now, okay. I've been, now, now, I've been doing the radio show on Saturday and Sunday. I started out with Andy Poland. Remember Andy well, Poland? Oh, the great God, Andy yes. Poland. Yes. Back, yeah, we started, we started that show in 1997 or 98 at the ESPN okay. Zone down in the Inner Harbor in Baltimore. That was on Saturdays from 10 to 2 and Sundays from 10 to 2 down at the Zone. And we started that. And that show continued with a variety of hosts along the way, or co-hosts, I should say, along the way. But Andy and I started that. We had a run of like four or five years, and we had numerous co-hosts in between, and then Dari picked it up, and we've been together for 13 years. So this show has been on for for, uh, for me since, like I say, 1998. Amazing. If that I were to something. ask you to break down Dari the way you would break down a, you know, a prospect, a quarterback coming out of college, could you break down Nari as a host, uh, like as a host right now, only the way Mel Kiper Jr. could do it? Yeah, Dari's amazing. I always say amazing. When, amazing doesn't always mean great because like, when he says things that I just I say you're you know or some things that kind of catch me. I say Dari, you're amazing. And he knows what I mean. So we kind of have a way of talking to each other where you don't even have to say certain things. You kind of get it. And I think Mike knows that when you work together with somebody <laughs> for such a long time. And, and so you know, Dari, I always say you're amazing, pal. And and it really is his, his knowledge of all sports and then the way he you know takes the show inside. Now, one thing people know from me, guys. Never put me in a host role. I will destroy a show as fast as you can blink. <laughs> I, I, I talk, I, heck, I, I talk. I talk through hard outs when I'm guest. Mike knows all about that. I'm talking yeah. through hard outs. Uh, I'm, I'm still talking. I didn't even realize we went off the air. I'm still yakking. So, uh, yeah, so I need a co-host that, that is a professional. And Dari is the ultimate professional. We've had a lot of fun for 13 years. And some of our, some of our, as you guys know, some of the things that happen off the air during the breaks are some of the craziest and funniest things that you wish kind of some of that stuff was on the air. I was obviously the producer of Dari and Mel for years, and I will tell you with 100% certainty, one time Dari's uh, unit crashed, his internet went out, and we lost a mid-segment. And Mel just said, well, Mikey, why don't you take us to break? And he made me read all the stuff because he wasn't going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I refuse. I flat out refuse. You gotta, you gotta, you know, I've always believed you stay in your lane. I know what my strengths are. I know what my weaknesses are. I have a lot of strengths, but I know I have a lot of weaknesses. And one of them is hosting a show. So I said, hey, I just said, hey, Mikey, whoever's in that, uh, who's up there in Bristol, whoever you are, come save me. Okay, come save me. On now. the air. <laughs> On there the air. Were, <laughs> yeah, on the there air. Were, exactly. There Unfortunately, it's Mikey C now who has to save you. Yeah. <laughs> there were um there were there were two guests that we had during our, our years that we always had the 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 three breaks. The two of them were uh soft and then they had the heart out at the top of the hour. You knew never to have Mel or or Bill Walton <laughs> as a guest in either one of those segments right. because they would just not stop. Or you had to ask the last question to them with five minutes to go in the in the segment, or they were going to like blow right through it. So you just yeah, always I'm a good company, Mike. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I'm a very great company with, with Walton. Yeah, that's great. Okay. <laughs> so you have Mel on during the, the middle one. segment is what you're trying to say, yes. Mike. No that's hard that. outs, right? No hard yeah, no outs. Pick, out out pick your spots. Yeah, pick <laughs> your spots. Pick your exactly spots with right. the guests. Know the guest strengths. Mike knew <laughs> yeah. that very effectively. Yep. I will tell you both a quick story, and Mikey A. was here for it. Uh, we had Bill Walton on this podcast once, and I asked him a single question. And 34 minutes later, yep. he was done answering <laughs> that question. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't think I've gone quite that far, guys. <laughs> I will, I'm not going to threaten – I will never threaten Walton's record on 34 minutes, I can tell you that. Okay, uh, so, Mel, at the end, I'm going to ask you for your, uh, your write-ups for Mike Golick Sr. and Mike Golick Jr., 
He's not uh, going to find those. He can't yeah. find those. I can, I, 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 I can tell you. Head. I can tell you. I can kind of remember what I said, but that—that's enough right there. But, yeah, oh, yeah. that's more than enough. Trust me. Um, how many mock drafts have you done in your lifetime? Do you think? Well, we do five every year, so you oh. know, times that by the forty years I've been doing TV. <laughs> oh, <laughs> forty-two God. years in the business, forty years doing it. That's <laughs> a lot of mock drafts. That's all I can tell you. It's probably too many. <laughs> So forget it. The, the Tobin stuff. He did that on air. And since again, you don't have a cell phone. Have you heard from other players and or agents over the years who did not like your breakdown of them or had some other issue with you? Do you ever hear from them somehow? You know what, Mike? That's a great question because I really haven't. I, and, and a lot of times you're oblivious to it because it'll come in and it'll be things sent. I always tell everybody at ESPN, don't send me anything. I don't want to hear the good. I don't want to hear the bad. I don't want to hear the ugly. I don't want to hear any of it. I don't want to. It used to be after the draft, I'd sit at my desk and I'd be reading this stuff, and then, you know, 90% of it's negative. So I'm thinking, yeah. what is that? What I need is. And Tony Kornheiser told me a great story. He said, Mel, he said, I was just told, write a story about Kuiper, make it negative, and I just kind of rewrote the story from last year every other year. I just got I just said, hey, but, but Bash Kuiper, that's what I was doing every year. Tony, I became great friends over the years. I didn't know Tony at the time. I said, why well, Tony hates me? He said, no, I didn't hate you. I just hated what he said, hey, Bash Kuiper, and I did it very, very well. I said, yeah, you were an All-American at hating on me. <laughs> You're an All-American ah. in that area. So, so yeah, that's the, but no, I don't really, I, I really haven't had any of that over the years, and probably some of it that I have had, I wasn't even aware of. Because maybe, maybe I got a text, and I wasn't aware I got a text, because I'll check text. Right. That, that to me, oh, that's just insane. So and also cathartic at the same time. I'm yes, so jealous yes. of you, Mel. Uh, is there a gold standard Mel Kuyper Jr. mock draft that you have? Like one that you hold above all others? Yeah, I did one. It was funny. I was like the first mock, the first, mock 1.0, which comes out in mid-January, uh, like four or five years ago. I had like the first, I think I had eight out of the first nine. And, and, and the last one I did the morning of the draft, I had probably one of the top nine. So sometimes they always say, you, you know, in real estate, your best offer is your first offer. Sometimes your best mock draft is your first one at 1.0 that comes out before you get into all the over-analysis and everything. So that was one, I think it was like four or five years ago. I think I hit eight out of nine or whatever. But no, my, people always say, you know, mock drafts, mock drafts, you're lucky if you have five, six, seven, eight direct hits the morning of the draft and maybe 25 of the 32. Now it's 31 first rounders this year. But if you had 24, 25 to actually go in the first round, you've done a pretty good job. So there's yeah. always surprises. The one question I always get, which I always tell people, never ask me this because it's the dumbest question anybody can ask, is – Mel, who's going to be the shocking first-round pick? I said, if it's going to be <laughs> shocking, how the heck am I going to tell you? So, you know, who's the shocking first-round pick? That's why I'm going to be shocked, because I have no clue who that player is going to be. So, and, and the other dumb question is, who's going to be the most NFL? Who's the most NFL-ready quarterback? Oh, Don't wow. ever ask me that question. Wow. That, yeah, no, so true. Do who's you, the shocker this year, Mel? Yeah, God, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> do you, Mel, do you keep percentages each year of, of how many you hit? Do, do you do that over exact the years? Does. Never, never, no. never. I, and in fact, Mike and, and, and Stu got I, all I do, Stu. I, what I do is I will trash everything when I get back from the draft. It'll right. go and it'll be gone, and I move on to the next year. And in fact, we have a big board for the next year's draft coming out the week after this year's draft. So, oh, or, or a month, or a month there. I should say a month. Todd McShay has his mock first round a week after the draft. I have my ratings board a month after the draft. So Todd comes out with his way too early mock draft for 2024 in uh, May of 2023, which is pretty amazing. But no, I just move on to the next year. I never kind of. I always go back and look at reports and say, okay, why did you hit on this player? Why did you miss on this player? 
player and try to figure out. But hey, there's, it's not perfect, and you can't beat yourself up for mistakes. It's going to happen. We all, you just hope you're right more than you're wrong. But uh, you're going to have a lot, and that's the thing. It's just like you know, people say, okay, you were, you had you miss on this guy. Well, you know, if you're going to, if you look at one player and you say, I missed on him because of this, and you try to take that and you push it to the next guy. Well, you can make the same, you can have the same evaluation, but the next guy may be really good. So I remember Tide made a point one time or comment one time, well, I'm not going to make the same mistake on this quarterback that I made on the other one. So I'm going to not like him. Turned out to be the guy ended up being pretty good. So sometimes you just don't know. And I've done the exact same thing. So I've, I've kind of learned to, to move on and not look back too much. Mel, who, who was the draft pick that you were the most shocked when you, when you heard it? What was the pick where you were like, what just happened? How did that even – how did that happen? I'd say probably when the Raiders took Darius Hayward Bay out of, uh, out of the University of Maryland, which is my – like McShay says, you ought to put a fence around Maryland. You always start talking up to Maryland. I did not think Darius Hayward Bay would go that high. Uh, he went in the top ten to the Raiders, and it was a shock to me. Um, I mean, I, I've been surprised by a lot of draft picks. That was one of the ones that really did – I'll tell you what was a shocker to me. I remember a night before the draft, it was like, what, five years ago, whatever it was, when Baker Mayfield went number one. I thought for sure Josh Allen was the guy. That was the guy I thought, it's got to be Josh. When I found out it might not be Sam Darnold, it's got to be Josh Allen. The night before the draft, I do my final mock at Josh Allen going to the Cleveland Browns. I think this is guaranteed. Then you start hearing from Adam Schefter and Chris Morton, and I come down for breakfast the next morning, right, before the draft, and I'm hearing – uh, your mock draft is wrong. You got Allen. Allen's not going one. It's going to be Baker Mayfield. I think, oh, you got to be kidding me. I, I would have never thought that. So I think the most shocking number one pick overall to me was Baker Mayfield. Wow. I would send wow. that to the Browns and be like, listen, I, you should, I told you you should have taken Allen. I would gloat. I would throw it in their face, Mel. I, I tell you, one, what? One, one that stuck mm-hmm. out to me, Mel, was, sure. was Jamarcus Russell. He had, it was almost like, the last thing you saw from him helped because he had that monster game against Notre Dame in the bowl game, and that was the last game, I believe, before the draft, and he went number one. And I remember going, man, I, I just don't don't see that, you know, out of him. And it turned out he was a bust, but that, that was probably one for me where I, I thought he really kind of lived off that one game. Yeah, that's why I always say, Mike, and, and Stu, I think that's why pro days, I always say, are a waste of time. Yep. Uh, because he had one of the best pro days ever. And I always say, you know who had one? And also Zach Wilson, if you remember, had a great pro day yep. a few years ago. Oh, but but who had the worst pro day? One of the worst pro days ever was Peyton Manning. I had NFL people call me up. They were so they were rolling their eyes, and they were like, you know, just saying, boy, I can't get that. the balls were wobbly. They were bouncing. They were, they were low. They were all, it, it, the arm strength wasn't there. The balls, like I say, was wobbly ball they were rolling their eyes shaking their head saying boy he's overrated so there you go so Peyton Manning had one of the worst pro days and Jamarcus Russell and Zach Wilson had the best pro days that's why I always say a pro day should mean nothing to NFL teams the great Mel Kuyper Jr. with us uh, and his latest mock is out now check it out ESPN.com Mel I think it's always important to, to so the audience knows just how you go about this you're not ranking these players in terms of who you think are the best players. You're ranking these players and where they're going to go in terms of what you think the team needs and what they're going to do, correct? 
For mock drafts, yes. Mock drafts are strictly what you're hearing from people, your friends in the league, about what they will do based on free agency now, based on team needs and all that. And the, the ratings, the rankings, ratings that you put up in the top 10s and the top 25 big board is strictly my opinion, Todd's opinion, and everybody that puts those rank, rank, rankings out. They have nothing to do with where players are going to go in the draft. And that's the hardest part, guys, because when you know somebody's going to go high and you put him low, I'll never forget, I'll give you a Jeff George story. Uh, Freddie Gadelli's producing the draft. For a good friend of mine, great Freddie Gadelli's producing the draft. And I don't remember what year it was. It was the year Jeff George came out. And I had Jeff George rated as like the 83rd best player in that draft. And so Freddie said, he said, give me your top 40. We're going to put the top 40 up. I didn't have him in my time. He said, no, I can't put the, the top 40 board up and not have the number one player on it. I said, well, Freddie, if that's the case, put him at 40. Because he's at 84. You've got to put him somewhere. Put him at 40. So, again, that, that's, that was a story where you talk about rate. That's where you can't let that. And as I got older, I started to be more aware of that and concerned. Probably overly concerned. I don't want to be too far off. But you, got, you can't worry about that. So that's where mock drafts kind of skew the process a bit for you because it's hard to always just realize, hey, mock drafts are what they are. Your ratings. Don't worry about when you're ranking a player where he's going to go in the draft. And that's hard to do. It's not easy to do because you, you only got, oh, Kuiper had this guy. And when we do our, our uh, the ratings are also on the crawl on ESPN, you'll see my ratings, right? Well, I don't want to necessarily have a guy that's available in the sixth round rated as the 55th best player, and there he yeah. is in the sixth round still available. <laughs> so you gotta you got to always try to weigh things a little bit and say, they're going to be looking at it and say, boy, was he off on that player? This guy, we're in the sixth, seventh round, and Kuiper had this guy as the 50th best player. So, you, you, But you gotta, you still have to forget about that. To the best of your ability, forget about all that and just rate the players based on what you saw in college. All right, so in this year's draft, Mel, who do you think the best player is? I've went on record a year week, weeks ago, and I thought it was Jalen Carter. I know the character concerns and, and the, the, the tragedy. Certainly, um, you know, it's right now you say Will Anderson Jr. would be right there if you take Carter and you bump them down. But Will Anderson Jr., the pass rusher from Alabama, was number two on my board. Uh, you know, so one of those two, uh, Jalen Carter, still remains number one. I think he's still going to go in the top five to seven overall. Will Anderson Jr. will probably go three overall to Arizona, and then the quarterbacks after that kind of fall into place with all having some things you like and all having some major red flags as well. All right. So I, I have two, one on Jalen, one on someone else. These are the two more, most intriguing things to me. The one thing about Jalen Carter, Mel, is over the years of the draft, you have dealt with players who have had off field issues. So from that standpoint, because you've seen some of this before, how much do you think this affects his draft status? Well, that's a great question because Warren Sapp dropped, I believe, like around 12, and he was the number three player on the big board that year. Laramie Tunsil was number one, dropped, I think, around 11, 12, 13, somewhere in that area, and both have developed into great players. So uh, in the case of Jalen Carter, on football ability, he's the best player in this draft. Now, will teams have concerns? I think some will, some won't. Um, he'll still go in the top five to seven, obviously, the way it looks right now. Chris Mortensen was on today with us and said he's not going to add to the top ten. And then the thing is, teams from five through ten at six teams, picking from five through ten, all need a defensive tackle like a Jalen Carter. So whether it's like I say, whether it's Seattle, whether it's Detroit, whether it's Las Vegas, those are three teams there. Then you have Atlanta. Carolina and Philadelphia. Excuse me, Seattle and Philadelphia again. So all those teams, uh, you know, need that type of player. So you're looking at all those teams in that area down to Chicago at nine with Philadelphia after the trade was made. So Seattle, Detroit, Las Vegas, Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, you could all take a defensive tackle. 
So then the other one for me is, and I loved watching this kid play, and then he blew his knee out, and I wonder where he would have been in your quarterback uh, rotation had he not. But Hendon Hooker is one of the more intriguing players, the quarterback from Tennessee, throwing the ball, running the ball. They said he'll be fine by the start of the season, but it's probably a redshirt year for him of his, not only his status, but your thoughts of him given the knee situation. Very tough evaluation. Uh, the knee, the age, he's 25, he'll be 26 in January. But when I watched him, he got the ball out so quick in fast fashion that he didn't allow pass rushers to get near him that often. When they did, he was accuracy dropped a little bit. He had really good receivers to throw to. He had a veteran line in front of him. He had two really good running backs behind him who were able to obviously benefit from the passing attack to open up those holes but, uh, and create those opportunities. But yeah, the ball comes out so quick. Uh, he doesn't have to go through to the, the read, the options of the third, fourth, fifth option, go through his progressions and, and find receivers late in the process. He's getting the ball out so quick. He doesn't roll right or left you know, to throw the football on the move. Uh, it's a very quarterback-friendly offense for Josh Heupel there. Another little bit of a red flag is that, hey, Joe Milton, who came over from Michigan, transferred to Tennessee, came in when, when after uh, Hendon Hooker had the ACL injury, played against South Carolina, and had, he lit up Clemson in their bowl game. And he didn't even have in that game, he didn't have Cedric Tillman, and he didn't have Jalen Hyatt, their two best receivers, and he still lit up Clemson. So that tells you how quarterback-friendly that offense is. Now, does Hendon Hooker have the ability to make all the throws? Does he have a really good uh, delivery? Is he a, a smart, tough kid? Yes, he is. Can he move? He had nine rushing touchdowns in 2020 for Virginia Tech. But the system, and, and more so just the fact that what he dealt with at Tennessee is nowhere near what he's going to have to work with and deal with in the NFL. So, you know, it's going to take him a little bit of time. Uh, so I'm hearing first round. I have a late second round grade on him, so I'm not as high on him as some in the NFL are. I know there's going to be mixed opinion on a lot of players, but uh, the mock drafts now are going to have him in the first round. I think that's probably accurate. In terms of my rating, though, guys, I have him as a late second, early third rounder. Interesting. So you have C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback, going to the Carolina Panthers. Mike, uh, Mike's buddy, Frank Reich, uh, is the head coach there now. Uh, do you think he is indeed the best quarterback? Is that the right pick, Mel? I'll tell you what, all these guys, I, I right now have it Bryce Young barely over Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, and then Anthony Richardson, then Hendon Hooker. That's my top, and I think an underrated quarterback is Clayton Toon at Houston, who's my right after that at six. But I think when you look at, at Stroud, I think he could be the number one pick based on his size. He fits what Frank Reich has wanted. They keep saying now, Chris Mortensen said today, they're leaning to Bryce Young. Bryce Young, if you asked him today, he would say Bryce Young's going to be the number one pick. My guy, Will Levis, nobody seems to like. I guess he's going to drop into the fifth round, maybe. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he, but he, he's the quarterback that's going to drop. Everybody hated my guy Josh Allen. Everybody hated Josh Allen. Everybody hated Justin Fields. And, and teams traded up to get those two. You know, Buffalo went from 12 to 7 to get Josh. And, uh, and said Chicago went from 20 to 11 to get Justin. And look how it's turned out for them. And, and Todd projected, McShay projected a trade up from Tampa Bay at 18, excuse me, at 19, going up to, I believe, 14 to get Will Levis and New England moved down, So uh, he has a team like Tampa Bay moving up to get Levis. He's right now, I, I think, the quarterback that's been hated on the most of the top five. Uh, has anyone, Mel, in the history of the scouting combine, has anyone ever done more for themselves than Anthony Richardson did this past season? 
I would be – you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody uh, that does it more. I mean, the, the, com, yeah, the combine, the deep throw, the, the testing of the combine, the pro day, uh, the fact that he's a, an unusual, unique type of talent. I mean, to have – the ability to run is one thing, but the ability to throw the football the way he does. Now, accuracy is another issue, but the arm strength, the way he throws the ball. When he's on, I tell you, he was on his game against Utah September 3rd. I've said on numerous shows – Mark it down in pen. He's the number one pick, guaranteed in this draft. The next week he goes out against Kentucky. He's at 40% with, three, with a couple picks, uh, about four rushing yards on six carries. They contain them every which way. He looked confused. He looked frustrated. He looked rattled in that game to me. And then during the year, he's had some games where he's been at 40%, 33% completion percentage. But, hey, you know, can you fix that? Josh Allen, I said go to Josh's guys, find out who he worked with, and go right at it because the talent – is like I say, it's like when I said with Josh. Josh had unusual talent, and he had incredible competitiveness. Anthony Richardson, competitiveness is going to have to prove to be like Josh. If he's that type of competitor and wants it that bad, then he can be a great quarterback because he just has to fix some things, and if he does, the sky's the limit. I'll give you a name. Mike Mamula. Mike, Philadelphia, oh. Philadelphia swapped picks with Tampa Bay and had to give them some other picks. Took Mike Mamula seventh. Tampa Bay dropped back to twelfth and took Warren Sapp. So uh, the the Mike Mamula combine was one of those where I think some people started saying, "Okay, maybe we're valuing this combine a little too much." Can you go back to that one, Mel, and and your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, no question about that. And and the thing is, Mamula had a pretty good career at BC. He was was a pretty good player. Tom Coughlin at BC. You know what they did with Notre Dame? They prevented Notre Dame from from after beating Florida State. You know what happened that next week? And and uh, you know, Mike Mamula had a lot to do with that. It was uh, when I think Glenn Foley was the quarterback of that BC team. But you're right, Mamula had some production and he had that incredible workout. And and again, that's where you. That's why it's really difficult. We can sit here and critique and criticize teams for mistakes they made. And sometimes I'll go back. I'll give you the one thing that's, I think, one of the more interesting examples and tells you about how lucky and fortunate you have to be. A few years back, and I bring up Josh Allen in this, in this, we'll talk about great quarterbacks, but Patrick Mahomes, the best in the business right now, right? The Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos and a couple other teams are all trying to get Paxton Lynch. This was a year before Patrick Mahomes came out. They're talking, they're trying to get Paxton Lynch. Adam Schefter had found out that Kansas City was trying to get Paxton Lynch. They were trying to move up in that draft to get Paxton Lynch. They were not successful. Denver got, let's say, successful at the time. Denver made the move to get him. Kansas City failed in that uh, department. If we, once they didn't move up to get Paxton Lynch, they traded back out of the first round completely. Didn't have a pick in day one now. Day two, early day two, they picked Chris Jones, defensive lineman, coming out of Mississippi State. Had they gotten Paxton Lynch? There's no Chris Jones with the Kansas City Chiefs. Had they gotten Paxton Lynch, there was no Chris Jones, and the next year there would have been no Patrick Mahomes going to the Kansas City Chiefs. So that trade that never happened for the Kansas City Chiefs, that they wanted to happen, they wanted to get Paxton Lynch, they didn't, allowed them to get Chris Jones, the foundation piece of their defense and cornerstone of their defense, and Patrick Mahomes, who's arguably going to be, not arguably, the best that ever played the game and already has two Super Bowl rings. So there you go. Just a, a mistake on Lynch would have, would have, where would have put the Chiefs right now? But the fact that that trade didn't actually happen and the Denver Broncos ended up with a not Kansas City gave the Chiefs the two players that have allowed them to be where they are right now. 
I'll remind everyone, the man does not own a cell phone. He's not using a computer. This is all off the top of his head. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's the most amazing thing I've ever witnessed in my entire life. Uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. with us. His mock draft is out. Check it out on ESPN. What do you like about Will Levis, Mel? Toughness. Just a toughness. I mean, he battled through so many bad hits and injuries, toe, uh, shoulder, everywhere in between. His body was so beat up. Remember, they lost Luke Fortner, their center, went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, had a heck of a rookie year. Darian Kennard, who'd been a great tackle for them for years. Wandale Robinson, their number one go-to receiver, went to the NFL that year as a second-round pick to the Giants, who was really good until he got hurt. Uh, and then uh, Chris Rodriguez, their running back, was suspended the first four games. And that kind of mirrored what Josh Allen had to deal with his final year. Josh had lost his center, Chase Roulier, his running back, Brian Hill, his tight end, Jacob Hollister, and his, wide, his top wide receiver, Tanner Gentry, all of whom played in the NFL. You can't reload at Wyoming. And that's why Josh, that final year, had some major struggles. And that's why Will Levis, this past year, had some major struggles, in addition to his coordinator, Liam Cohen, going to the Rams. And a system change there as well took place. So I think Will, and I've and hey, there's some things that concern me. The turnovers certainly concern you and concern me with Josh Allen, concern me with Daniel Jones, but they were able to fix it, right? You can fix that. The weightlifting, too many curls, the bodybuilding, you're not Mr. You're Mr. America here. You want to be a quarterback, okay? You're not looking to win a bodybuilding. So I agree with what they're saying. You need to just get him out of that weight room, stop doing the curls, streamline that arm, don't have it all muscled up and tight, and, uh, and then I think he will be fine. I think what he's doing now is saying, okay, I'm hearing this negativity. He said it's a, it's a comma, it's the media. I think he's just hearing all this hate and say, hey, i got to defend myself the best I can. So I think that's why some of the brashness and, and, and the confidence or some of the swagger cockiness is coming out. He, hey, he's, he, he made no excuses this year. He was with that team the entire way. He fought his way back game after game. He didn't play in a bowl game because he was so beat up, yet he was with that team. He didn't leave him. He was with them the whole way. Uh, he threw a pick six against Emmanuel Forbes in the Mississippi State game. The next, seconds later, he takes him 75 yards down the field for a touchdown, so he has a short memory. Uh, yeah, there's some things that concern me, but there's a lot of things to like in the main thing is just how talented that right arm is when you streamline it and how competitive he is uh, in terms of wanting to be a great quarterback. Who's the GM? Who's What's the organization, Mel, right now, in your opinion, that's doing the draft better than anyone else? I think so. It's at Seattle. I think John Schneider and Seattle with Pete Carroll, they've been together. They know how to work this process. They know how to, you know, move around to, to, to steal players that slide that to pick the right players. Um, Everything has fallen well for them. And and with Geno Smith now, we'll see what Geno can do now. He had that career year. But the way they put that team back together last year so quickly uh, and the way they had attacked the draft over the years, I would think Seattle. And, uh, you know, and here I'm, I'm a good – Eric DaCosta is a good friend of mine here in Baltimore. They've had some hits and misses. But overall, this Ravens team's always in contention. And uh, it's for a reason. they got a, a GM and Eric DaCosta who gets it. Uh, but uh, certainly I think John Schneider, if there's, a, if there's a Hall of Fame GM in the NFL right now, John Schneider in Seattle is that guy. Mel, obviously 31 players are going to get picked in the first round because uh, the Dolphins don't have their pick. But how many, I'm curious, do you actually have a first-round grade on? You know, not a lot. And I haven't finalized that yet. But I would say right now I only have a first-round grade on 17 players. And that's it. I'm, and I'm, I'm down to 17. I think from that point on, I might be able to stretch it to 21, 22. That's as far as I nicely stretch. I didn't put a final grade on the guys. But right now I'm looking at it. I'd say 15 to 18 truly will have a first-round grade.
So, Mel, when we talk about first-rounders going to the next level, the expectation is high. What in your mind, let's say top 10 picks, what in your mind is the, the, the line of that was a good pick or that was a bust pick over, over a number of years? I'd say for me, uh, there's there's no. I've tried to, to gauge that, Mike, and there's no rhyme. Every which way you look, you can find guys that, that whether they went fifth or they went eighth or they went fourteenth. There's always there's no perfect formula for that. Uh, I will say when you look at the board, I'm always an advocate, and I've always been a promoter to trade down, move down, get extra picks. Uh, the late great Bill Walsh. You talk about who could work the draft better than anybody. Uh, the late great Bill Walsh could, and I sat and talked to him. It was the year our daughter Lauren was born. I came late to that uh, pre-draft. It was Actually, it was the uh, expansion draft when Caroline and Jacksonville came into the NFL. And I remember being there, sat after the meeting with Bill and just picked his brain. And it, it was, he just said about trading down, getting those extra choices. Uh, don't tell me what a player can do. Don't, don't tell me what he can't do. Tell me what he can do. I don't want to know what a player can't do. I want to know what you tell me what he can do. So I think Bill Walsh always believed that. And remember there was that one great draft that put them over the top. They, they traded out of the first round, traded down to the second, traded down twice, and had one of the best drafts in the history of the NFL draft. So I, I'd say working the draft by moving down uh, is the best way to do it. In most cases, there's always instances where you can move up. Now, like I say, move up and get Josh Allen. Go up and get that quarterback if he slides at time. But moving down over the years, I think, has been the best way to attack things. All right, Mel, I know you got to run. We appreciate your time. It's a busy time for you. Just quickly on the way out here, your evaluation. I have three players, and we get the, we'll get you the hell out of here, okay? Mike Golick sure. Sr. coming out of Notre Dame. What was your write-up on him? Mike was a hard-working, tough, played a little high, but I think if he was coached up by, the, on a, by a really good defensive line coach, he could be a good rotation type on the inside. Mike, I didn't know you played on, uh, you know, after smoking joints. I mean, that was uh, <laughs> that's a really good evaluation. That's pretty much what happened. <laughs> All right, Mike Golick Jr. No, great bloodlines. Love the bloodlines. Great football family. Yeah, a class, classic overachiever. A smart, gives you everything he has. We'll have to. We'll, we'll find a way to, to fight his way onto an NFL roster as an undrafted free agent. All right, Chris Sims. Chris, it was a guy who certainly battled uh, at Texas, did everything he was asked to do, did the same thing at Tampa. I had, I believe, coming out a fourth or fifth round grade on Chris. He went in the third round, I believe. I think I had a fourth round grade on him coming out. And, uh, you know, like I say, tough kid, just battled. It wasn't under a lot of pressure. It was a lot of expectations for Chris, uh, obviously because of his name, uh, Phil Sims' son. So I think for, for Chris Sims, I think uh, he did, uh, like I said, dealt with that pressure I thought very effectively for the kind of stress he was under. All right, last one. And these are all contributors to the show, okay? Austin Eckler, who went undrafted. What was your evaluation of Austin? I had no clue who Austin Eckler was. <laughs> I, 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 had heard, I had heard about I had heard about him through the process, got some stuff to look at. I, I Believe me, he was the ultimate sleeper. Austin Eckler was a guy, and, and congratulations to him, boy. What a kid. What a worker. And that just shows you that we can have all the, the, the technology we want. We can have 50 million scouts out there, everybody talking to everybody, and players slide through the cracks. And certainly he did, and he's a testimony to what, hey, just believing in yourself and not worrying about who you played against. Just believing in what you can do. And for, for his career to go the way it is, it has so far. And he's still got a lot of great football ahead. Uh, just to, like I say, I think everybody in the league can say one thing. We missed on Austin Eckler. 
that is amazing. When amazing. Mel can say, I didn't know a lot about him. That is something. My Let mind me, is blown. Wow. Yes. Wow. Uh, Mel, we appreciate the time. I'm going to be at the NFL draft. Mike, are you going to be there? Uh, I am going to be in Boston doing stuff for DraftKings in studio there. Okay, of course you are getting paid, as usual. Uh, Mel, I am going to see you in Kansas City. I'm going to sit down with you. I'm going to teach you how to use a cell phone, okay? Please don't. Hey, if you bring crab cakes from Maryland, Maryland and crab, what do they say, crab cakes and football, that's what Maryland does. If you bring, crab, may, maybe so, you bring a cell phone, you will not be talking to me. Okay, I'll bring crab cakes, and you and I will just sit down and talk. Is that okay? <laughs> and Boston cream pie as well. <laughs> Have a great one, guys, with some pumpkin pie. Right. Have Thanks a great one, guys. You, Enjoyed yeah. it, man. See you, back. Thanks, Mel. Mel I, I, Mel, I just want to say this on the way out. He's I love gone. you. He hung up. Okay. He, hung he hung up. up. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I, wanted, I, I don't care. I wanted to He's say great. I love him. Isn't he great? Uh, He's, He's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. And, and what he has turned that part of the draft into with all the draft empire, Mike. out there. Uh, away from teams, you know, scouts and all that. It, it's unbelievable. And Mel started all of it. I can't believe you played high. I mean. Yeah, played a little high at times. And that, you know, being 6'5", you know, that was something, you know, I, I, I needed to play with. I learned from wrestling sometimes a little better leverage, but I would start off a little high at times. Yeah. It's True. amazing. What do you Stu remember broadcast about the draft, life. Mike? Do you what do I remember about the draft? I, oh, I remember plenty about the draft. So, after my junior year, I was an honorable mention All-American. I was projected like second rounder my senior year. Yep. And then I got hurt in the first game. And I really should have redshirted. I should have not played that year. I should have got operated on. But I, I didn't want to. I wanted to play. I, and I never played more than a half the rest of the year in a game. And then right after the season, I got my shoulder operated on. So I played half, basically half of the half of the games all year got an operation, went to the combine, could do nothing because of the operation, and went in the 10th round. And what I remember about the draft is my brother Bob came to Notre Dame with a bunch of beer like he always did. I got drunk, sober, and drunk before I got drafted. <laughs> That's how long it took to get drafted. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, the last time we spoke to you, the Aaron Rodgers deal uh... – <laughs> Well, people were talking about how it was done and we should be celebrating. How's that going for you, Stu? Well, now there are reports that San Francisco is ready to pounce if the Jets blow this. It's a race to whoever finds Mercedes Lewis first gets Aaron Rodgers. The the Jets aren't going to blow it. The Jets are just waiting. They're trying to give up as little as possible. The deadline for that is the draft. So the pressure can you know put the pressure where you want is, is it on green bay do we take what the jets are offering so we get some picks this year or once you get close are the jets going to say we can't f this thing up so we're going to have to give more than we wanted to so it's i think it's kind of a game of chicken right now on what the compensation will be and the deadline is the draft so green bay can use some of that some of that the, the, yeah, those assets this year Mikey A, where are you right now with uh, Aaron and the Jets, huh? Uh, I I think it's just waiting to happen. Nothing's going to spur action like deadline. The deadline is the draft. Yep, yep. yep. And it, listen, you, if if the Jets sign Odell, I mean, you got Garrett yeah. Wilson. I mean, <laughs> and that defense. It, it's so weird to say, but boy, watch out. The Jets uh, can be looking pretty good, which is a stunner. To, it's almost hard Bite your to tongue. mouth. Bite your yeah, tongue. Exactly. I know. I know. Yeah, don't say it. Uh, Mike, real quick here. Uh, Lamar Jackson. I can't believe the last time we spoke, I think three or four weeks ago. At the, like, this is a 25 year old former MVP 
who is sitting here without an offer. He could use an agent. He should have an agent. It's ridiculous that he does it. But what do you make of all this, Mike? Well, first thing, let me ask you. What would an agent do if, if Lamar truly wants a fully guaranteed contract? In my opinion, an agent is not going to help him get that. Now, if he wants to negotiate as close like a $300 million deal with $232 million guaranteed, so he has more guaranteed than Deshaun Watson or something, maybe he could use an agent to kind of decipher all that. But if he truly wants a fully guaranteed deal, I'm not sure what an agent is going to do differently if, if his starting point is Deshaun Watson. And I don't know that. I, I don't know. But if his starting point is Deshaun Watson and it has to be fully guaranteed, I'm not sure the difference an agent could make in that. Now, if you start looking at different numbers, uh, different kind of computations of how you want to lay out the contract, then I agree. Then I think an agent can help. So where we are now with this is I think there are teams that A, don't want to offer fully guaranteed contracts. B, don't even want to make an offer because they know deep down Baltimore is going to match. I, I think somebody had said the bridges burn between Baltimore and Lamar. I don't believe that one bit. I agree. Because money can always, you know, help rebuild a bridge. Yeah. So I think there are teams that won't bid and let their quarterback know that they were looking at Lamar because kind of like the whole Tua deal in Miami, right? Just to, just to bid for him and then have Baltimore match. Now, again, you can go around that by just trading for him, and then it's whatever compensation you want to give up. Then it's not a matching situation. But right now, if you want to go down that road of the tag, it's two first-rounders and an offer that Baltimore could match. I think your overall your overall point of what's an agent going to do if he wants that guaranteed contract, if he wants the Sean Watson money, I understand where you're coming from, and I agree with it. But I think if it's a trusted agent who's really good at this, he tells Lamar, hey, I know that's what you want. There's a difference between what you want yes. and what you're going to get, and it's yes. my job to tell you what you're going to get, and good what point. you're not getting is that. That's you know? a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, I, I I can't argue with that one bit. And again, you know, are we gonna are we talking collusion? I, again, I, my thought is they don't have to collude to not want to give a guaranteed contract and sure. want to throw a dart at Haslam for what he did with Deshaun Watson. The absolute bottom line is the owners look at that as an outlier. The player looks at that as a precedent. The Deshaun Watson deal, and that's where we are right now. Mike, I would also say it's very hard to have a frank conversation with a player about the player to yeah. sign him, whereas you can have these conversations because you have those relationships with agents. I would say like that's part of the holdup. I think he's probably hurting himself by not having an agent. Now, again, Richard Sherman has done it. Roquan Smith has done it. You know, Roquan Smith got an unbelievable deal for a middle backer. They're not an quarterbacks. Tunsil's done it. Tunsil has done it, and but that's exactly where I was going to go next. It's not a quarterback trying to smash the ceiling of guaranteed contracts because if he doesn't do it, is Joe Burrow going to hold out enough to do that? Is Justin Herbert going to hold out enough to do that? Is Jalen Hurts going to hold out enough to do that? There's a few quarterbacks in line that we wonder, will any of them say, I'm not playing until I get a guaranteed contract? I don't think so. Because at the end of the day, I don't think not playing helps you at all. I, re I really don't Right. Um, to sit out an entire season. So, again, like anything else, when you get to business, it's a game of chicken. You know, who's going to blink first? 
It's not to say, listen, Lamar has people. He has an attorney. He has people yeah, working yes, for him yes. that are helping him with this. I guess from, from my standpoint, Mike, it's hard to – you're playing during the season, and that's when your agent is kind of out there and yep. shopping you around. He's going to be a free agent at the end, or unrestricted at the end of the year, blah, 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 blah. And he can come to Lamar and say, Lamar, I have made every call that you would make yourself right now. I've made them already for you. And there's that the deal you're looking for is not there. Let's take the two hundred million guarantee from Baltimore and get the hell out of here. Like, uh, like listen, yeah. Stu, I agree with you. I would never, in a, as an average player, I wouldn't think about doing it without an agent. That's not to say I don't applaud those that get it done without an agent. And if that's the route you want to go, hey, more power to you. Give it a go. It can work great for you, or it can backfire on you. Just, just kind of like a college player transferring three times it could work great for you or it could blow up in your face so sure. you just don't know lamar seems to be set on getting the greatest deal ever and doing it himself uh where he kind of has maybe those markers again i don't know that for a fact but that's kind of it seems where we're going and that's what he wants to do so then it comes down to is he drawing his line in in magic marker or in pencil to where can you move it? Or he's saying, that's it. I'm not not crossing over this line. This is where I'm staying. Because uh, people are saying, if nothing happens, there's no way he should play on $32 million a year. I disagree. Right. I, I never see sitting out a year benefiting you. It worked out for Kirk Cousins, right? Oh, it definitely worked out for Kirk Cousins. Two years on the tag and then getting a, a fully guaranteed deal at, what, $84 million or whatever it was? It did. But Lamar has things that he wants to go. It sounds, seems like, again, I don't know him, but it seems like he is. He's determined to get this done yes, without an agent. Yeah. Yes. And, and to get what he wants. And as we know, shit don't work that way. I right. mean, you know, you could be the greatest player in the world. I mean, we see it in baseball when it comes to arbitration, you can have a monster year and the, and the team is talking how much they love you. And then you get to arbitration. It's amazing. The darts they can pull out and start throwing at you when all of a sudden you're talking money. But you know what? It's business. And right now, the business side of football, you know, is way different than the emotional, personal side of football. Those two have a tough time meeting in the middle anywhere. Uh, you agree? Do you like CJ Shroud? Do you think he's the uh Yes, I would he to me he'd be the number one pick. I've said this before. I think he and Bryce Young are right there. I don't care about Bryce's size. We've seen smaller quarterbacks get it done. I I, I that that doesn't affect me anymore in the way the game's played today. I have I like Stroud as the number one by a hair over over Young. Listen, if they take Young, I I, I think they're both going to work out well. But let's remember, if four quarterbacks go in the first round. History says two are going to bust. Right. So who knows? Both of them guys could bust, and it could be Leviston Richardson who pan out. I I, I don't know. Um, I hear some saying Richardson might go number one. I don't think that. I think he's, listen, this isn't about his intellect. It's about experience. 13 starts. And remember, in college, you still aren't seeing all the variations in speed you're going to see in the NFL. So even guys who have played three, four years in college, two, three, four years, have seen way more reps. They're even going to struggle at the next level because of stuff they haven't seen. So now a guy with 13 starts, that is tough. And I know he's a great athlete, and the beautiful thing is he's going to be able to get himself out of a lot of trouble while he's learning this through reps. But it's probably going to take a little time. But, man, 
I'm excited to watch what that freakazoid does because he he is something to watch. Crazy, Mike. Mike, there's there seems like there's no there's obviously no Trevor Lawrence type in this draft. There's no there's sort of a knock on all of these quarterbacks, but when it's all said and done after the draft. By what pick will all four quarterbacks be gone, do you think? Oh, my God. You know, when you're talking about quarterbacks, teams can't help themselves. All four will definitely be top ten. I think definitely top <laughs> ten. Yes. Uh, I think without wow. a doubt top ten. And someone will trade up because they'll fear somebody else will take them. Well, Mike, I think, I, I think the first three picks are going to be quarterbacks. I think the they Panthers, are. So, the Texans, and the Colts. So it's a matter of the fourth one, which I think will be Levis. Where, where did, does he go? Um, does somebody trade up into the top ten? Or is there a top ten pick? Yeah, um, I, I think Seattle would like Anthony Richardson, quite honestly, but they, they may, not, may not be able to get him. No, but uh, Mike, if you look point. at the top three, you have C.J. Trout to Carolina, Bryce yep. Young to the Texans, yep. Levis possibly to the Colts. Then you have Arizona. They're stuck with Kyle and Murray. And then right. you have Seattle at five. I could see I, Richardson going there. Oh, I, I think that would be awesome for Seattle. You got Geno Smith. Let Richardson watch, learn, get reps, get reps, get reps, get reps. You know, at the NFL level. I think is is huge, um, but but we'll see. I mean, it's and the one thing I love you, you see all these quarterbacks outside of Bryce Young, they're all big this year, right? Yeah. Six three, six four, six five, two twenty, yep. two thirty, two forty. They're all good size guys who can who can move pretty well. I know Stroud was talked about as not doing as well in the run. He did well in, against Georgia, you know, out of the pocket and such. But uh, they're all they're all good. Clayton Toon. Uh, the kid from Houston is another good-sized guy who who I like, Hendon Hooker, uh, as well. So you have a lot of, like, more bigger-profiled quarterbacks from a size standpoint. Uh, Mikey A., the good news is we're not going to have a bust in the first round of the quarterback position this year. <laughs> it's been a while. Maybe. <laughs> I, and let me tell you what, I cringe, <laughs> I cringe every time every, everybody says, look at Anthony Richardson rolling left and just flicking the ball 60 yards because all I think of is Zach Wilson doing the same thing on his pro day. I know. And, and I'm like, my God, people just stop. Just watch him in pads, okay? He looks great in shorts and a T-shirt. You just called him a freakazoid. He, I mean. Well, no, I, on the field. I mean, yes. in shorts and a T-shirt, I mean, on right. the field, right. what he can do. Shit, he's dropping shoulders like Josh Allen does. He's crazy. And will run over people. I mean, he is. he is. Wow, he's something to watch. But, man, just – not a lot of experience. And when you don't have a lot of experience as a quarterback in college, man, what you're going to see in the NFL from the speed, the size of the, the small size of the windows, the protections, the blitzes, where they coming from, what you have to check out of it is, it will make smoke come out of your ears. Even if you have a lot of starts in college. So let, and I've heard nothing but great things about him in the classroom as well, you know, up on, you know, watching film and talking ball, so it's just a matter of how quickly he can, you know, put that to practical application on the field. Mike, I'm surprised. So you're not going to the draft. You're going to be in Boston uh, doing stuff for DraftKings. Is that, uh... Yes, yes. Mike and I will be in studios, and DraftKings studios are in Boston, and we'll be doing live shows uh, through the first. We'll be there doing shows Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we'll be on live during the draft uh, as well. You know, it'll be people will alternatives you switch around to different places uh and such so uh we'll, we'll see i'll be out there so if you need me as a correspondent feel free to uh to bring me on the big show you know what i'm right, saying you got it man you got it yeah you're not gonna bring me on though I no i'm not, I'm not at all not even a chance no, well, i appreciate happen. that much guys
Stugatz here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot has changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. It was the original light beer, and to this day, it's still the best one. Miller Lite has more of the taste you want and less of the stuff you don't. What I love to do, what me and my friends do, when we're sitting around, we like to enjoy it with ice-cold Miller Lights. Miller Lite keeps it simple, undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com stew, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer.